Things have changed, yet the truth remains the same. Enlightenment Radio, a movement around the world, is with you 24 hours of music, live broadcast, and a mystical approach to the teachings of Christ at themysticalvoyage.com. Well, good evening, Tea Party. I look out my uh, spaceship here, and I'm sure glad I am not, in Fayetteville, Georgia. It is so gloomy down there from what I televise up here. Oh, yeah. Okay, that was another solar flare. Sorry for the late delay. I'm so glad I'm up here. On Genesis 1 station, circling the earth, 17,000, 1,700, 17,000, 50 miles per hour around the earth. That's 90 times a day. If any of you did not see our launch, go to the Mystical Voyage, click that spaceman, and you'll see the launch again. We are up here because I knew things were going to get tough. Look, the, the timing, the timing of our launch. We are out of harm's way. No hooty, no hooties to get us. <laughs> no hooty rebels. And we are aboard mission control. All of this will be, how shall I say, displayed and given to you so you can see how we operate now. And this is your host, Mystic Guide. We're still Enlightenment Radio, bringing the truth. And the Mystical Voyage is now Mystical Voyage 2.0 because we're coming upon a time or a period in this world. I swear I knew it. I knew it was coming. And where the truth will be the hottest commodity ever sought after. Let me look up the word commodity. Because I thought, well, is commodity right? It does work. And the commodity, all right, here we go, Google, commodity. What is commodity? Well, it says a raw material or primary agricultural product that can be brought and sold as a copper. Well, that's what most people think of it as. However, the second verse, a useful or valuable thing such as water. Or time. Water is a precious commodity. So I was using the right term. How much more? Truth is as valuable as water and time, even more so. So in order to, uh, you go on the web and you want to find the truth about something. And here you got five websites saying, Five different things about the same thing. Well, one of the most 
Let me start off by making this profound statement. The day of Pentecost had been coming since the dawn of creation. The dawn of creation. The day of Pentecost had been coming since the dawn of creation. It was in God's mind. It was in his foreknowledge. And everything he did was for that day. Because that day was the day the spiritual domain, the kingdom of heaven came and opened up its doors for all mankind and all womankind to see and be belong to. Before then, the spiritual domain had to come into the earth, like say an angel visitation. The Holy Spirit was upon certain prophets upon a certain time. So the Holy Spirit field is also one of the most confusing fields to the church itself. Confuses them to the uttermost because of just a few Greek words, a few misunderstandings. However, it took me 60 pages in my book to put together the entire, pretty much, realm of the understanding of the spiritual world. So I'm not about to go over 60 pages with you this morning. God bless you all, one and all. Let me uh, check the chat room over here. I, uh, I've got a little sideline computer. Oh, there you are. Happy uh, Sunday. Happy Sunday to you. Now, I want you to do something for me. I want you all to go to the uh, chat room. Ravi did a wonderful job making a graphic. There it is. It's called, uh, it's in the portal. And if you blow it up, it says Pentecost clearing the myths. M-Y-T-H-S. A myth. Well, let's look up the definition of myth. This is going to be an informal hour. Let me just put it that way. We're going to keep it real. We're going to keep it informal, though. What is a myth? What is a myth? A myth is a traditional or legendary story that may or may not have a basis in fact. Myths often involve a hero or being an event and may explain a practice, right, or natural phenomena. The definition of myth is traditional legendary story, usually concerning something or hero, with or without determinable basis or fact or natural explanation, especially one that is concerned with deities or demagogues and explains some practices, right, or phenomena, stories, or matter of the kind. So what you do not want... Enlightenment doesn't come from myths. Once you are set free from a myth, a myth practiced long enough becomes, started off as a tradition, practiced long enough becomes a religion. So we are not a religion. We are not a congregation. We are a movement. And our movement is dedicated to the truth and enlightenment. I'm not saying I have the corner on the truth, but when I lead you to a certain point, a fork in the road, so to speak, 
and I've given you all the evidence, scripturally, historically, and scientifically, it's so obvious that uh, which way to go when you reach that fork in the road, you know you are making the right decision. That's what I want you to do. I want you to understand and be sure. And here's how Dr. Weirwell explained it. Let you know that you know that you know that you know. There is no doubt. Now, I, I got a little gig for you. And I, uh, you know, I write screenplays. I play around with it. We're getting ready to make a film here pretty soon, right, Ronnie? Which, which one do you think would be first? The Ancestor? It's up to you. It is up to me. I know. <laughs> I think The Ancestor fits really well in our day and time. You know, they tore down the, the statue of Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, did you know that? It's been there 175 years. Thomas Jefferson was the founding father, one of them, of our country, the United States of America. He was instrumental in writing the Constitution. But you know one truth, and I'm going to finish up this idolatry thing when I get a chance. He was one of the founding fathers that they didn't believe in the Trinity. None of them. That's why they came over here so they wouldn't set them on fire. <laughs> William Penn was released from the Tower of London. But you know how God blessed him? The king finally released him and turned, come to find out, I think Robbie, that was one of the first articles Robbie sent over was about William Penn. They started the Quaker. Anyway, the king, the people that owed him money, or he owed, he owed money too, he gave him the state of Pennsylvania to pay him off. <laughs> How did things turn around for God there? William Penn, Pennsylvania, was given to believers, and they started the Quaker church, and they were non-Trinitarians. So there's a lot of history, science, and scripture that I integrate in order to arrive at the truth. Now, when you get to that point, you say, what? I just don't quite believe it. I'm not saying I have a corner on the truth. I lead you there. I take you there. And if you don't believe it or understand it, then move on. Okay? But we don't force people to believe like Trinitarians do. So I had this first scene. You know, <clears throat> what was Pentecost? There was Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Leeks. Those were the three main festivals in Jerusalem that they celebrated. The Feast of Pentecost was a harvest. You gathered the harvest and you came and celebrated the harvest of the seed and crops from the field. How apropos was this, that the day of Pentecost not only only were they all there, millions probably, not just thousands. From around, from around the entire Jerusalem, Judean area. And, oh, they came from all over. Uh, the queen, who was that queen? The eunuch queen. They came from another country. Egypt, they came from all over. So the day of Pentecost had been coming since the dawn of creation. And when the outpouring of the Spirit happened, what happened after that? They started 
gathering the seed or the crops into God's family and field, so to speak. What a metaphor. So I had this picture. And uh, my film, I was going to do the Book of Acts at one time. What an undertaking that would have been. But over the years, so many people have done different portions of it. I just got caught up into other things, you know, raising a family, <laughs> um, writing other books. It was always in the back of my mind, but there was various music scene that, that gave me scenes. Music gives me scenes. Before I get the scene, I don't get the music. Well, this was by a group called Alan Parsons Project. The song is called I, a Robot. So I had this picture in my mind, right, of the valley going into Jerusalem and all of these people. Let's say there was a line of about oh, half a block thick, and they were all headed, and the line was just miles long. And I started out by, today you could do this shot with a drone. Back then I was trying to figure out how to do that shot, keep the helicopter still. <laughs> today it'd be so easy with a drone. So you close in on a person who's threading a needle, and then... You lift up a little bit, a little bit more, and a little bit more, and all of a sudden you just see thousands and thousands of people in a line going into Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost. And this was the background I had, if you can imagine, lifting up from that scene, and then more and more people, more and more people were showing up. Little did they know what destiny they were headed toward that day. This is called iRobot. And the higher you get with this robot, this uh, drone, the more people you see. And so then it travels along the whole line of people, camels, horses, riding on foot. hovering above all these people, hearing that spiritual haunting voice from behind. segueing into the the beat and the rock portion of the song. But I just use that first part as the scene. So now you're going into Jerusalem, right? You speak all these languages and 
It's just a festival. It's a festivity. We should have those. We have festivities that celebrate the stupidest things. However, let me read to you from my book. Now, if you want to really grasp and understand the fullness of the spiritual kingdom that so confuses so many church pastors, theologians, churchgoers, denominations. It's called Chapter 6, Communion in the Spirit. I'll read from the uh, first area. When you become a spiritual being, you are given a spiritual language. This is part of your greater glory. For no time in history, you are given a spiritual language. This is part of your greater glory. For no time in history has mankind been able to commune with God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, in a spiritual manner faster than the speed of thought. It's a language of holiness and angels speaking divine mysteries between you and God. It's called power from on high and is a confirmation of the existence of God inside you that can be manifested into the material realm. It's the only sign available confirming that you are now a spiritual creation, seated with the King of Kings for all eternity in a vast spiritual kingdom. And nothing can separate you from the love of the Father God, which is in Christ Jesus, when you manifest the supernatural experience for the first time, it is an unforgettable Holy Spirit high <laughs> that leaves an undeniable impression on your soul that you have eternal life. It's also, I didn't mention, I'll mention it later, it's the only manifestation that was not available before the day of Pentecost. That's another sign that it wasn't something that had happened before. Now, there are discrepancies. Uh, let me give you the three main ones, and then the others you will, don't have time for. They're just minor anyway. So the discrepancies or the myths that are bandied about are that when they drew lots to replace Messiah. Jesus said, tarry ye in Jerusalem. He was telling his 12 apostles and those around, tarry ye in Jerusalem. It's in the book of Acts, first chapter. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized in Holy Spirit, small h, small s, not many days hence. Well, it turns out it wasn't many days. It was 10. So if you add 10 to the 40 days Jesus Christ was on the planet Earth before he ascended, and then he ascended right after that, they spent 10 days in Jerusalem. And they drew lots, and then they found a quarters to stay in called the upper room. I'm going to paraphrase a lot. I could go to one of these books, but it says it's where they, first of all, 
Galileans could not stay inside the walls of Jerusalem. They were not inside the uh, walls of Jerusalem. They stayed in an upper room outside the walls of Jerusalem. And the women couldn't stay with them. That was a big no-no. This is where they slept. This is where they brushed their teeth. This is where they kept their meals and, you know, a quick little brekkie and off to the where they were supposed to go. And it would have been the 12 apostles. So, let me start off with this one. You have to decide who received, where they received, and what they received. Then we can dispel of that myth. Let me see which one I want to start with. The 12 apostles were all filled. The day of Pentecost was one of them. Okay, let's go with uh, where they received. The day of Pentecost is one of the most pivotal records in the Bible. It is also the most misunderstood event in all the word, resulting in confusion and error regarding the entire field of the Holy Spirit. Some who are reading this are already confused as to why I am not using capital letters for Holy Spirit. It was not a person they received. It was in it. No article the... And in the Greek, it's pneuma hagion. The who, when, what, where, and why of the gift of Holy Spirit is truly enlightening and experientially powerful when accurately taught and practiced. When wrongly taught and practiced, it has become a divisive even to the point of dividing denominations and families. This teaching is to dispel one very simple myth, that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and resulting in speaking in tongues on the day of Pentecost took place in an upper room. That's not where it happened. I'm glad I started here. That's where they abode. It was outside Jerusalem, the walls. This is simply not true. It was the temple at the hour of prayer. Jesus told them in Luke and Acts not to, to tarry in Jerusalem until they had been endued with power from on high not so many days since. We now know it was 10 days and a total of 50 from the day of the resurrection, which was also happens to be the word pente, 50, between the two feasts, Passover and Pentecost. Acts 1.13, and when they had entered the city, they went, when they had entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. That is Peter and John and James, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. The upper room is where they were staying where they abode. Notice it mentions only the names of men. Women were not allowed to stay or abode with men. Secondly, they were Galileans and not permitted to stay within the city limits of Jerusalem. Therefore, the upper room was outside the city. Well, I know I just read here when they had entered the city, they went into an upper room. So, but that's an apparent contradiction. I didn't straighten it out. But they were not permitted to stay within the city walls of Jerusalem. 
they went into the city. And so, secondly, they were Galileans, not permitted. Therefore, the upper room was outside the city and away from the crowd and had gathered for the Feast of Pentecost. There was 10 days between the events in chapter 1 and chapter 2 that begins with, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, which separates the upper room by time. Now, let's look at time and place, okay? Luke 24, 53. And they, after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem. This is after he told them, you shall receive power from on high and be endued with power from on high from the Father. And were continually where? Whoa, 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 this is a key verse. 24, 53. They returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually where? In the temple, praising God. Doesn't say upper room. Would you want to sit in a lonely old dark, dank upper room all day? No. During this festival, they were where they were supposed to be, in the temple, praising God. Now, the temple, they were, let me just read. I know I'll get ahead of myself if I don't. They continually in the temple. The place, so now we know the place. When were they in the temple? At the hour of prayer. Now we know when. When were they in the upper room? When they abode, slept, and brushed their teeth. That's when they were in the upper room. For those men were not drunk, as you supposed. Acts 2.50. After the event, Peter Stands up and says, for it is only the third hour of the day. If, if I remember right, that's 9 o'clock in the morning, which is an hour of prayer. So that's where they were supposed to be, the 12 apostles. There were several periods of the day devoted to prayer called the hour of prayer. Does that make sense? How, how simple can you be? Why don't they just pick this Bible up and read it? This was one of them. It was 9 a.m. Thank you. (laughs) Peter stood up in front of the crowd, which would have been gathered at the temple. Not by the upper room with the hour of prayer. You get it? You got a thousand, a million, quadrillion people there for one reason. For one reason. And that was to celebrate the harvest, okay? To celebrate the harvest. Now I'm getting my stories mixed up. I mean, say we, we, we've, we've established the where and when, haven't we? Was that hard? Was that too hard? No. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, but it is only the third hour of the day. I imagine Peter getting up early in the morning from a bad dream because he betrayed Christ. I know he was still feeling a guilt trip. Puts on his sandals. I have music for that, too. Walking down to the temple. You know, the temple at this time still wasn't completely done. It was under scaffolding, and it was still being built. So they go to the temple, and they were there. That particular morning, it was 9 a.m. 
Only God knew when he was going to outpour the Holy Spirit. Or shall I say, technically, Jesus Christ did the outpouring for God. Did you know Jesus Christ's ministry was only one year? I thought I'd throw that in there. All of this is from my book and from my uh, website. I have another one called the Holy Spirit Social Club. You ought to try it sometime. Now, the temple. Where's the other one? We've got to get the who straight. You notice in your... Uh, your uh, Notice in your uh, chat room, I put I told Ravi to put that in the chat room on purpose. Well, of course, the piece of paper fell on the floor. The 12 apostles were all filled. Now, the Mythbuster, who are you going to call? Mythbusters. <laughs> uh, that's what we do. We bust myths. The uh, upper room, why would God display his most magnificent miracle among miracles? Open the door to all mankind and women. In an upper room, you ever tried to fit 120 people in an upper room? So here's the rest of the story. When they... That's my automatic book. The book of Acts opens the following introduction. The and this is Luke. The first account I composed, Theophilus, above all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven. After he had, by way of or via Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles, whom he had what? Chosen. There's a hint. He gave orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. Was Judas some uh, apostle he had chosen? Sure was. If you go into my Holy Spirit social club, you can read where Judas did not die immediately as it was a collapsed verse. God used collapsed verses. Did not want to give Judas any more credit than he already had. And it said he went out and hanged himself. But he was alive long enough to see the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Read that story in the Holy Spirit Social Club. It's just another myth buster. Because when, when they, when the, I'm going by my, my mind here. When the Jews were in the room and Jesus walked through the wall and said, touch my hands and look at him. And they all said, okay. And there was only one missing. Remember, it said there was one missing who did not, wasn't there. Well, who was the one missing? Not Judas. <laughs> Judas was still there. Judas saw his hands. Judas saw his resurrected body. The one who was missing, remember, was Thomas. Thomas was missing, and they, he later met with Thomas. And then Thomas believed and said, oh, Lord, my God, and all that. So if there were 11 there, 11 plus 1 is 12, well, the one was Thomas, not Judas. Judas was there to see it. So he, through the Spirit, had given the orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning 
the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father, for what the Father had promised, which he said, you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with or in, no article E, Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Who is the object of the verb wait? And who will be here, the 12 apostles? You see, we have, we have grammatical usages here. I don't know how you do it in Hindi, but you follow... You follow the object of the verb and everything until it changes, until it tells you to. So the object of the verb here is still the 12 apostles. It's not talking to 120 people in an upper room. He's not talking to, and it by, besides it says about 120. doesn't say exactly. So the upper room has nothing to do with the day of Pentecost. Nothing. Scratch it out of your commentaries. Every commentary I looked up on the Internet, they described two rooms, and they also had, I'm going to get into it in a minute, they said the upper room where they lived was the same upper room Jesus Christ had picked out a few days earlier so they could spend the Last Supper. Wrong. It's not a totally different room. Totally different room. I never heard that myself. I just read it on the Internet. (laughs) They were with Jesus Christ until the day which he ascended. He spoke to them of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and gave them, the, gave them who? The 12 apostles. Certain commandments regarding specifically receiving the gift of Holy Spirit. Not certain disciples, but to the apostles. To the apostles. You got to follow your grammar here. So, we learned... I might have to go to my website and get this right. Hold on. While I'm doing this, you want to hear some of our clamor here in the uh, space outfit? They're back there keeping things going. Hear them? So, now I got it. The 12 apostles, um, commandments he'd given them. Not certain disciples, but 12 apostles. Earlier time and place where they received. Now we'll learn who. Oh, there went a solar flare. <laughs> Lord. Okay, so now we'll learn who. We learned when and where and when. When and where and when. The ascension, one of the apostles, Judas, departed, so they had to replace him. Remember that? Somewhere it was written in the Psalms. So, Acts 1, 15 through 16. Now we follow the grammatical use of the previous articles and action verbs. At this time, Peter stood up in the midst of the brethren, 
gathering of about 120 persons was there together and said, Brethren and scriptures, brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit foretold God by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. Here Peter is addressing about 120 disciples regarding filling the position of Judas left, vacant after the ascension, and Peter and the others narrow it down to two. Wait a second. Wait a second. Here's another proof I can throw at you. You know, Jesus spent all night, all night when he had chosen or was choosing his apostles originally. He spent all night and all morning on that mountain praying to God which ones to choose. Are you going to tell me that if Judas had died, he was going to wander around for 40 days and not pick out the disciple or the one to replace Judas, but he was just going to go on and leave him? No, he did not choose another apostle, nor did they have to go to themselves and choose another one to replace him because he was still there. He was still alive. Logic tells you people the reason why. That's the most pronounced reason in the scriptures that Judas was still alive. They didn't replace him till he left. Okay, so he's Judas left, vacant after the ascension. That's when he left. Peter and the others narrowed down to two. Therefore, it is necessary that out of the men who have accomplished or have accompanied us all, all the time, that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John. Now, they wanted someone who had been there with them through all these events. Makes sense. Until the day he was, that he was taken up from us, one of them, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Also, that he had to be a witness of the resurrection, the one they were going to replace Judas with. So they put forward two men, Joseph called Barabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias, 24. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, you know the hearts of all men. Show which one of these two you have chosen, verse 25, to occupy this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they drew lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was added to the 11 apostles. So now what have we got? Matthias plus one is 11 or 12 apostles. Now we have 12 apostles again before the day of Pentecost. After the experience of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the temple in Jerusalem, it states the following. Now, we have 12 apostles again before the day of Pentecost, after the experience of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the temple of Jerusalem, it states the following. But Peter, standing up with the 11. <laughs> it's not, he can't get any more obvious than that. Standing up, where in the temple? What hour? The ninth hour. Our prayer in the temple. Twelve apostles, because Peter 
was standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken unto my words. How could it be in an upper room somewhere in a back alley somewhere? No, God poured out the Holy Spirit in front of all of these people. If they could be there and see it, it would be at the temple. That's so obvious. And many of them, or most of them, heard them speak in their own language, the wonderful works of God, it says. They understood them. I'm going to dispel that myth here in a second. So now we have 12 apostles again before the day of Pentecost. And Peter's standing up with the 11 and makes 12. Peter plus 11 make 12 apostles who originally received the outpouring on the day of Pentecost. And they, uh, they drew lots for them, and the lots fell on Matthias. He was added to the 11, and it was fully come. Matthias was 11, his 12 apostles were all with one accord in one place, the temple. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise with a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. The house was referred to as the temple. The temple was the house of prayer. Matthew eleven seventeen, And he began to teach and say to them, It is it not written, My house shall be called the house of prayer for all nations. But you have made it a robber's den. The Greek word for house here in the same house in Acts, it is different word for upper room. God glorified his promise in front of thousands to see, not in a hidden corner in an upper room. For after they heard this miraculous experience, the people pleaded with Peter, what shall we do? Those who believed followed his command and thousands were saved which became the birth of the church. This day is considered the birth of the church. The first fruits of the body of believers, which is now the temple of God, not the upper room of God. How magnificently symbolic that this occurred in God's temple and was during the feast of celebrating the first fruits of the harvest. I tell you one thing. Time means nothing to God, but timing is everything. That's absolutely amazing. Now, let me explain another myth buster. Uh, when they speak in tongues, many pastors, many poo-poo it because they don't do it. They don't teach it. They don't understand it. They don't believe it. They, they just say, well, that was for their missionary purpose. <laughs> that was to give them another language when they went on a missionary field. They would understand them. Well, if you don't understand what you're saying, how are they going to understand it? That's another myth. Forget about it. It is not for missionary field. Scratch it. Another thing is the uh, upper uh, room that Jesus Christ had to his followers go find this man who was pouring in this picture. He didn't know whether he was going to spend, live long enough to eat the Passover meal or not. He did not know. So the, therefore, he wasn't God, was he? He didn't know what night he would eat his last supper or he would eat the Passover. Well, as it turned out, we all know he was the Passover lamb that year. So it was a Monday night 
by the calendar that they spent eating the Last Supper. However, there's nowhere in the scriptures where it ever says he left Bethany to go to that room. He may have not even gone there. There's nothing in the scriptures besides it says they sat down and ate. So it couldn't have been the Passover meal because they all are supposed to eat the Passover meal while standing. So it was not the Passover meal. Jesus Christ did not live long enough to have the Passover meal. Just look what Pilate said. Remember Pilate said, after they've, cru- they've tortured and beaten Jesus, he says, we have a custom where we let one loose on the day of pa- uh, Passover. So that Passover had not happened yet. He never ate the Passover meal. There's another myth buster. Because it's obvious, there's other verses too, that open up and teach accurately. Now, let's look at this uh, this uh, painting here that Ravi, graphically, had so illustrated. What a beautiful illustration. However, you see the flames above and the people above. It's just full of different people. And there's a woman, Mary, supposedly, the mother of Jesus, had received. That's what this Catholic painting depicts. The Holy Spirit's the dove, and then there's angels up there, and then there's people. And there's, Well, you see it? That painting is a beautiful painting, but it's wrong. It's a myth. Only the 12 apostles in the temple received the gift of Holy Spirit, then they walked out and teeter taught them. Teeter taught. <laughs> Peter taught them what had just happened. He knew what happened to that man. I mean, just a few days earlier, he was behind closed doors for fear of the Jews. What is it that gave that man the boldness to go out and talk among all those people and not have the fear was the power and the gift of Holy Spirit that emboldened him. It will embolden you. You will no longer have any fear of anyone when you have the Holy Spirit in manifestation. That's true. Let me read you something, and then I will let you go. There's just so many things in the Holy Spirit field. You remember when Jesus was, he may or may not, I think it was in John. Jesus had already been resurrected from the dead and he meets with his apostles and he says he breathed on them he breathed on them and he said I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it from my head because I know this like the back of my head <laughs> my kingdom is not of this world I'm pretty sure it's in John I'm not going to go any farther anyway Do you know that he taught the apostles how to receive the Holy Spirit ahead of time? Well, anyway, it's in John. He gathered the apostles, and he breathed on them. (gasps) And he says, receive ye the Holy Spirit. Well, here we come back to that word lumbano. He was teaching them ahead of time because it had not been poured out yet at the temple. Jesus had not yet ascended yet. So 
I've had pastors tell me that's when the apostles got born again. That's a myth. No one was born again. No one before the day of Pentecost, and it was the 12 apostles on the day of Pentecost in the temple at the ninth hour of prayer where they were supposed to be, and that's busted up pretty much the major myth that the church teaches. So let me get one thing a little straight with you. This is so cool. It says, uh, didn't we read it? There was a rushing mighty wind. A rushing mighty wind. If you look it up in the concordance, there was a sign that these apostles were looking for and waiting for. And remember Jesus said, he breathed on them, not in. He breathed on them. And he said, Lombano, manifest the Holy Spirit. He's teaching them ahead of time how to manifest the Holy Spirit. Well, if you look up that word, there's seven words for the Greek word wind. If you look it up in the concordance, the rushing mighty wind is not what it says. It says the heavy whisper. (laughs) They've even translated it wrong. It says with a heavy whisper. The house was filled with a heavy whisper. (sighs) And uh, my calculations is the tongues of fire came down first. That was the sign. You can't put everything in one verse. The tongues of fire was the sign, and the heavy breathing started once they saw the sign. And that's when they received Lombanoed, the gift of Holy Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, that's about as accurate as I can teach it. I can't teach it any better than that. I just can't do it. So, I think we've done a pretty good job. You could dispel most other little myths that these people teach. John MacArthur, the uh, supposed theological genius of his time, he says it's a bunch of gibberish. He thinks speaking in tongues is a bunch of gibberish. Well, we'll let John MacArthur die without knowing the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, my fellow believers, sisters and brothers in Christ in India, Christ in a mystery, Christ in you, fellowship, thank you for listening. Thank you for going to the book of chapter 6 if you want more detail, okay? I want to go out with a song. That's just how I got to go. This is third day, born again. Love you all. See you all the same time next week. Radio. Oops, wrong one. Body, soul. Here we go. Beautiful song. God bless you, brothers. Let me check the chat room one more time before I leave. I want to say bye to you. Well, today I found myself after searching.